Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an outstanding woman in STEM award winner, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant. Now, my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. So this is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time. Join my Facebook group at UK Educators or find some great resources on my website at ukeducators.com. And I've got the lovely Gemma Smith with me today. And we're going to be talking about um, agencies and how to start up an agency. Gemma has set up an agency and it's come to a year. Well, we registered in, in September 2019. We'd set up probably about a month before that. So Gemma's going to be sharing with us the ups and downs of running an agency. It's something that a lot of tutors sometimes decide that they want to go down that route. Uh, so welcome, Gemma. Thank you very much for having me. What kind of made you go down this route? Like, what, what was your background in? And what got you into kind of thinking about growing an agency? Okay, I'm going to be fair short with it because it is quite a convoluted story. I did my degree at Oxford, went down to London, thought I'd become a strategy consultant, hated it and ended up coming back to Oxford fairly quickly. But in that time that I was down in London, I started working for agencies tutoring, which was a bit of an unusual move because strategy consultancy, everyone knows, has long hours. And I thought, not only will I do those long hours, I'll also do the weekends. I remember the crunch time. It was February half term or Easter. And I'd spent the weekend doing a load of intensive tuition with somebody down in London and then went straight back to working and realised that not only had I enjoyed it more, I'd made more money, I'd impacted somebody. And then I went back and I was doing calls to water cooler companies the next day. (laughs) And I went, now this isn't me. This is not what I enjoy doing. So I handed my notice in and came back to Oxford. And then I really fell into a very lucky position back in Oxford. And I started working with a company called Oxford Royal Academy. I still do a little bit for them. They run normally summer schools in Oxford, but they were, they just recently bought a big Jacobean manor house in the outskirts of Oxfordshire. And they wanted to run these gap year programs. And I taught for them for summer, just again, because of the time that I'd left London, I was coming back and there were summer schools. And they asked me if I wanted to write the three month medicine course, which at that point had one person booked on it, (laughs) one person in a giant manor house. Pretty much the day I turned up to deliver the material, the guy who was running the program announced that he wanted to join the army. So they asked me if I would take over the program. And at that point, I thought, yeah, it's a great thing to do. And it was. By the time I left... Three years later, we had 30 people each term as an intake. So three terms in the year, 30 people each year. They were aged 17 to 19. So quite old for that kind of program. And they were all looking for UK universities. So that's kind of where I honed the area that I work in, which is kind of top schools and top UK universities. I think my coming to run an agency has just been one lucky fall to another, really, because the gap year program, I had a mentor and she ran the summer program. And she said to me, look, you're in charge of about 12 teachers, 30 students, an estate staff, marketing department. She said, but you're not very old. (laughs) And uh, you don't have an educational background. Maybe you want to look at the PGCE, because if you're going to work in this kind of field, it would be useful, and it would be something to consider. And I'd been thinking about teaching for a while, and I thought, 
yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. I went to leave the International Study Centre and I got offered a position by an agency that I was working down in London out in Dubai. So again, I left the agency in the day after I flew out to Dubai to work three month placement out there. And it was amazing. and I loved it. And that made the return to do the PGC so much harder <laughs> because I just spent three months living in Dubai, having a great time. And again, working with families who I really enjoyed working with. They were again, studying UK curriculum. It was something I knew well, did the PGCE. And at the end of the PGCE, it was a bit of, do you go back to teaching? Do I go forward and run a study centre? And, and each of these had job offers on the table, really. I think there was three study centres that were happy to have me to run because I had the centre manager experience. And then the two schools that I'd worked in doing my PGCE, they had extended an offer. And then the kind of unknown was running the agency and, and doing it myself. And I thought, well, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. So that was how I came to running the education hotel, really. One crazy journey, right? You couldn't have it. And it's amazing. And I talk about this all the time, how your life aligns and things fall into place and things happen for a reason. And it seems like that was the case with you when things just yeah. fell into place. So I'm sure there were ups and downs along the way that you couldn't have missed out. Yes, yes, there were. There were, there were moments of tears. <laughs> As they would be if you're doing something that's going to be changing your life, basically changing the direction of your life. It's scary. It's scary yeah. to do something that's unknown. Just going back there, you talked about how you put together a three-month medicine gap year yep. program. Your background isn't in medicine, so how did you? It's not in medicine, right? Have I got that right? It's in biochemistry. Biochemistry. How did you find that? So, is that was that really daunting to kind of do a subject matter that you didn't really have? Well, you could research it, but for yeah. one that's going new into tutoring or new into teaching, that can be a really daunting experience. So, yep. how did you kind of tackle that? I was very fortunate in that I am friends with a lot of medics and the summer school company also let me have access to all of their summer programs. So I had a really great springboard and I could tell which bits I knew that I could write and which bits I knew that I'd have to get specialists into. So my master's, I did my undergrad in, in biochemistry, but my master's specialized in human genetics. So that was an area I knew that I'd be all right at. Um, but something like, I mean, structure of the heart, you do that for A-level biology, that was okay. But anything that was in between kind of the anatomy, an initial anatomy stuff, I'd done a bit of tuition doing first year foundation year medicine. So that was, that was actually the client that caused me to realize I didn't want to work in a consultancy. So I'd done quite a lot of the prep work, but I also had a lot of people that I could draw on. So really reaching out to friends who were medics and saying, where would you go? And again, I had the summer school team behind me to be able to help me to write that stuff. So quite a lot of it was drawing from other people. And I think you were in a very lucky position that when you started out, you had that network around you. And that, that in a kind of way is similar to teaching, where when you go into teaching, you have a network of teachers around you, you can utilize their resources. So you kind of had that training before your PGC anyway. <laughs> so tell us about your agency. So officially, you've only started about a year ago. Yep. Um, what's been kind of the upsides and the downsides with setting that up and kind of getting that to run? Um, a lot of tutors work for agencies. And yep. in interestingly, I haven't worked for one until fairly recently, until COVID hit. That was the first time I worked okay. for an agency. So I don't know much about the mechanics of how agencies function, how they run, mm. except for what I experienced myself. So tell us about how 
you kind of envisioned it and whether it was based on your experience with agencies or whether you had your own vision yeah so by the time I come to set up the education hotel I'd worked in agencies for probably about six years and I also probably worked for about 12 different agencies at the peak so I had a fairly okay understanding of this is how an agency works and also this is how a summer school company works which is kind of an agency for two week intensive tutoring and I'd also worked in the back end hiring tutors for the three-month program that I did so I'd seen what I thought worked and what I thought didn't work I'd been through medicine especially for gap year programs was really hard to hire for because ultimately you want someone who has a background in medicine to be teaching and they're mostly doctors they're not tutors so I knew from doing all the interviews a when somebody knows what they're doing and when somebody has that right subject knowledge to make a good tutor you can't just know your subject you also have to be able to or I believe you have to be able to make it personalized so you have to adapt to what the student wants and in the early days at the three-month gap year program our first ever program only had two students on it So it was really, really personalized. So even though I'd written this whole program and I'd timetabled it all out, what we found was the two students who came in had different interests. So for me, that's where it starts. To me, a good agency has great tutors. You're only as good as your tutors. So our tutors, we have a recommended rate, but we also allow them to put forward a rate that they think is reasonable for them because there are many agencies that I've worked for previously where it's become a race to the bottom. And so for me, I would rather put the right person with the right skills and the right personality and the right area of specialism in front of a client than try and fit somebody just because they are cheaper or more available. And that's something that I really wanted to take was each of our tutors only do one subject. They are really specialist. I have some tutors who they lecture at Oxford, so they only work really specific hours. But I would rather have them than have someone who is a generalist and who will be able to dip in. For me, it's about finding the right fit. And I talk about fit a lot to my clients. It means we sometimes take a little longer as well to match the tutor to the student. But that's because there's quite a lot of behind the scenes going on, which, again, it all comes down to me. So again, when I set up, I know some agencies who have directors who don't have any input or indeed don't come from a tutoring background. And that's something that I thought was important, that there would always be input from me. And I make the final decision on each of our tutoring placements. Um, And it's something I plan to do for the whole time that the agency runs, because I want to be able to have that partly control, but, um, but also that ability to go to a client because I, I check in with every client as well and say, how is this tutor doing? I know the reason that I picked them for you and, and for me to be totally confident in that decision. So it's a little bit unusual, maybe. <laughs> I know that there are much bigger agencies that couldn't do what, what we do in terms of the personalization, in terms of that personalized picking. But for me, that was something that was important to me when I set it up because it was something that I felt wasn't well represented in some of the agencies that I worked for. And it's clear that you've got a sense of high quality that's kind of in your business. That's very important to you. I've interviewed you before from a parent's perspective where we were talking about some of the stuff that you did. 
And I didn't realize the experience that you had. Like, you're amazing, Gemma. Because when we talk about it from a, from a client's perspective, it's completely different because you're talking about your, your background and then you were talking about what you offer. And hearing this side of it, your business side of it, you're very experienced in what you do. And I, and I think sometimes we don't appreciate the, the knowledge base that other, other educators have that are around us and the network that we have around us. So it's really fascinating hearing that from you. You've got a really good kind of background. So do you remember your first hire, your first tutor, the first tutor that you contracted in? How was that? And did, how were you feeling? And how, like, So nerve-wracking. <laughs> so nerve-wracking because it was also a client that I'd worked with for years and the student in question was was looking for an area that I don't deal with which is English I don't teach English I am dyslexic I am quite open about that I don't often teach it unless it is in something like entrance exams in which case all of my students know that I'm dyslexic and they'll all pick me up on all the mistakes I make but then it's technique based this student wanted something that was a bit higher than what I did they wanted very specific help with essay writing and they wanted quite intensive tuition and I didn't have the availability and I also didn't have the skill set so it came it came very quickly after us setting we set up a website we're like you know we're just kind of trundling along and then suddenly this two-week intensive role comes in and I started panicking because I was like well you know I've got this small group of tutors that I'd known from working with or I'd known from maybe they taught with me. I'd got to know them professionally. I had, they'd passed all the checks. They'd gone through the whole interview process. I had nobody who I thought would fit. I had this this very panicky moment. I also was working in China at the same time. So I had this point where the client told me and they, they didn't tell me with a massive amount of notice. And I was out in China trying to contract tutors in the UK who would be able to do this in quite a quick turnaround and have the ability. And in the end, again, it's, it's all down to network. So a friend of mine, he went to university with me. He's now a teacher. I put out to people who I know knew really great tutors. And he said, look, I know this person. They've recently qualified. They're a, a first at Cambridge or Oxford. And like this is their area. This is what they do. And I was very fortunate that I could get him in and I could set that up. It was just something that without that knowledge and without him recommending, I would have been really stuck. That was something that probably taught me a lesson, which was that uh, at that time I was spending probably most of my time on my own work and running the agency as the, the idea was the agency would kind of tick along in the background and then just organically grow. It became quite clear in that that I needed to be really quite proactive with selecting tutors and making sure that they were ready to go making sure that they're of the right quality so that I didn't have that panic how do you find people that are so available good people that are available that are quick to kind of put into place because that's a difficult combination but having a great network again it all comes down to having great tutors and something that we're doing in the education hotel this year is we really appreciate our tutors so training and offering CPD and offering kind of just support. We say when we hire tutors, we want to work both for the tutor and for the client. And so part of what we do is obviously that negotiation part. We deal with any issues that come up. We help them with resources. But what we want to do further is to do some more training and to do some upskilling so that they feel that they're valued. But um, but in terms of trying to add to a tutor's availability and also I, I had a conversation with a potential tutor 
just a couple of days ago and she's just leaving teaching for her this year has been incredibly stressful and she reached out to me she trained with me and she said I'm not certain on whether I'm going to be a full-time tutor because the income uncertainty and what I said to her is look you know as running an agency I would rather that you have your own individual clients and that you push yourself as a brand and that we work to get you to a great tutor because you're going to be a value to me as well as being a value to your private clients so I don't see that there's a there's a big competition there obviously is if you're trying to take the same client Um, so we do have those kind of rules and regulations but I know that the majority of my tutors will tutor privately under their own name and that's something that's fine because ultimately as an agency you know that you can't provide necessarily all the work for them but what you do want to do is to provide the the kind of care and and the support that you can do from supporting your clients that then they can take away and they can use in their own businesses and their own work because ultimately I've been tutoring now for nine or ten years and I still belong to the first agency I ever joined and the reason that I do that is because they're easy to work with. They've provided me with a lot of opportunities. You know, they know I run the education hotel. They know this stuff. They still hire and they still support me. So I feel like that's the type of thing I want to give to my tutors. And it's nice that you've picked up things where you felt good in working with other agencies and you've implemented that in. Because I think that's what it is. Like, I think people that go straight into setting up a business like I did, it's very difficult to know how to position yourself when it comes to working with other organizations because you don't know what to compare it with. And until yeah. you've had that experience in employment, which is what I did later on, and I realized how I don't want to do things, it then kind of starts to come into yeah. play. For, for us, you know, we, we've only had the first year. So a lot of this stuff is being put in this year because see, we hit COVID um, and we grew in COVID. And that was the point that I had to step back from tutoring and do more agency stuff and realize oh okay I probably need to provide all this training because we reached out and asked our tutors you know what do you want because I wanted to know that I was providing something that was useful um, they said oh well, we need we need better job descriptions Gemma because just like saying that someone needs A-level maths is not enough <laughs> and like, okay right I now take a full detailed job description so those types of things listening to tutors and and trying to get it right the training stuff i've recorded the first one this week but it's something that we are working on to improve because you work with a lot of tutors i think it's is it 80 now 70 odd at the moment so how do you kind of align all of your tutors to to the brand that you've created is there kind of some sort of alignment or do you kind of just let them do their thing yes so i think it comes all the way from interview really, because the education hotel clients know that they can get hold of the team and they do get hold of the team. And we have we have a members club with free resources and we are very much for supporting students to reach their goals. That's the tagline, really. When I interview the kind of qualities that we're looking for, we are looking for a professional tutor. So there are a number of tutors who unfortunately don't necessarily have the professionalism in terms of I have a a specific way that I like my tutors to present it's us and and again there are many tutors who work for other agencies who don't work for us who are still great tutors but they just don't represent 
our brand as such. So in terms of the way that at the moment, first thing that we've done is working on reporting style. So each of our tutors, when they interview, they have to be professional, knowledgeable and friendly. And those are the three big qualities. And the interview process, pretty much we get through. We also use a program called Tutor Cruncher. I'm sure many people have heard of, which offers us a a really great reporting function, but also allows our tutors to write down quite extensive biographies. So then we get a lot more of an idea around the tutor. And I personally do all the interviews so that I know in the back of my head who everybody is with a reminder from a picture and notes. That allows me to, when I'm talking to a client, to be able to say, oh, okay, this tutor, I know who she worked for before. I know the type of style that she's got because I get mine to do sometimes a a very short lesson in the interview to see the way that they'll teach. And then in the reporting, we do lesson reports every Every lesson gets a report. So we have a tutor's handbook so that our tutors know what is expected of them. They know they're free to choose like what whiteboard you want to use. That's fine. doesn't make a difference to us and what program you use. But we do have some restrictions. For example, I won't let my tutors tutor on FaceTime unless the client has specifically requested it just because for us that doesn't seem professional. So we do have those guidelines and each of our tutors gets those handbooks. And then we also check in with the client after the first lesson. We check in with the client after the first month to make sure that they are happy and that they feel supported by our tutors. Brilliant. I think you've got all your processes in place. As you grow, is it going to be feasible for you to be involved that much? Because there's going to get a point where you're not going to be able to remember all the tutors and you're not going to be able to do all the interviews yourself, possibly. And are you looking forward to that with taking a step back or does that terrify you? We have a client manager who works with us, but she's not an education specialist and we are hiring our first education specialist client manager. It's going to be a joint thing. And I think one of the processes that we've, we've started to set up is to do with the interviews and we will be recording the interviews so that I can look back at them if I need to, to make that final decision, just to, just to cut it down, as you said. But for me, I don't want to be an agency that has thousands of tutors on its books. I'd rather have great tutors on its books because what I realise when I work for agencies is I see them put their roles up and I know a lot of the tutors who work with them because we've worked on homeschooling placements or we've sometimes overlapped. There's, although they have many, many tutors on their books, often they have the same core team. So Mm. it's about drawing that really strong core team and I think there's still something that's a process. We still go through an interview and we still make sure that our core team is really strong. I would say we still have a couple of gaps in our core team, in our core offering. But once we've got those guys, most of those are full-time professional tutors or they might teach one or two days a week. One of the things we recently did was we got a Senko on board because it was something where we thought we need that expertise. Having each of those boxes ticked, if I know our core team and I know them and I know them well and they feel like we appreciate them and we are continuing to develop them, then I'd rather have a strong core team than have thousands of tutors because I'd rather be able to pick up the phone to a client like I do regularly and have a chat to them and know their tutor and when they say the tutor's name for me to remember who they are 
Yeah, and I think that personalised service is coming through in what you're doing. Uh, what's been your biggest challenge besides COVID? Because I know that's been a bit of a challenge. But initially, it would have been a bit of a panic, right? You would have had things in place. And you're like, oh, this can't happen. This can't happen. Besides COVID, what's been the biggest challenge with running an agency? There's a couple. Balancing my own work and the agency work was really hard. And I had to do that until the agency took off enough. At the start, I had no processes. So I now have a virtual receptionist. As you know, I now have a VA. I had none of those when I started. I would be tutoring and the phone would be going and I'd be turning the phone off. I'd be missing so many client calls. I couldn't even tell if there were client calls because they could have been just random telephone calls or they could have been from an agency that I was working with. But I just had to ignore them because I was teaching. And as you know, I do residential work. So when I go away and I live with a family, you can't be saying to the family, oh, sorry, I know it's dinner, but I'm just going to go and take a a call because someone's trying to get hold of me. So there would be big gaps where I was just away. And in December and January, I was in the U.S., And I was working with a family and it pretty much meant that we just didn't have anything in place. So that was a challenge. Definitely the the balance. Just to to follow up on that. Are you finding now that you're doing less of the tutoring yourself because you're doing a lot of the management of um, your business? Yes, mostly. There are some clients whom I've always worked with. Part of that personalization is that they like working with me. But yeah, and, and really focusing in on those students who work well with me which are typically, you know, students looking 13 plus for top schools or 16 plus for top schools or top universities. So I do some mentoring for GCSEs, but again, it tends to be high aiming students that I work with. So very much trying to specialize in in my area and not take on as much stuff so that I can spend time on the business. And I guess you can be picky now as well. So you've got a whole load of tutors that you can pass on work to. So is working with you then a premium cost to the clients then? Do they get something special with you? So do you kind of put yourself apart? I work as a tutor in the education hotel at the moment. And the reason for it, I can give you an example. This week I took on a student who they are looking for somebody who deals with fun science. So year eight fun science confidence is is a little bit low and they want a female specifically so tutoring is one of those few jobs where you can request it doesn't have to be if you think that there is somebody who's a male tutor there who is better and I did present a male tutor before I presented myself because I think that he is he's better at fun science maybe but they were very adamant that they weren't going to take that male tutor they were going to take a female tutor and most of our female science tutors are booked so therefore it was a process of either the client gets me or the client doesn't get anybody. And actually, they didn't know I was the director until I rang them because I asked my team to present me just as a standard tutor. And, and I didn't want to go back to them and say, oh, you know, I'm the director, so therefore you have to pay more. But there are some people who specifically request to work with me. And if they specifically request, usually it's an entrance exam or it's something specific with Oxbridge, then yes then there is a premium price. Like these people would have been fine had I put a different tutor in front of them. They weren't specifically asking for me. So do you find that you don't let on that you're the director to a lot of families? Because you're involved, you're doing the check-ins, you're involved in the interview stage. How many people, when you're interviewing them for the first time or you're interviewing the clients <laughs> for the first time, how many of them know? Very few. That is purposeful. Yeah. So Often when somebody books an inquiry call, the inquiry call says that you go to my client manager, but if I'm available, I'll take the call Mm -hmm. because I'd rather know. And 
again with tutoring I have a tutor manager and very often they're slightly confused that I pop up on screen but again it's part of that personalization so there are certain clients my more VIP clients for example second lockdown my client manager rang the majority of our clients to make sure that they're okay it's part of what we do we reach out we ask them if there's any resources they need we generally have a chat with them but there are there was probably about 10 15 that I personally rang yeah it is something that is often comes as a little bit of a shock um, when I say, oh yeah, by the way, I am the director. There's an interesting point behind it is that I look quite young mm. and I have had people say to me before when I've appeared on screen, oh, you look too young to be a director. And I know that I look young and I know that, you know, you might be expecting somebody who's, and I've had tutors who've interviewed who've said that. And um, it's not a great way to start a conversation saying, you look too young to be a director in this agency. But it is something that, yeah, sometimes comes as a bit of a shock to people when they see me. But then once they know the experience that I've got behind me, then it makes a bit more sense. And I think I've got a similar sort of approach where you get a lot more out of someone if they think you're on the same level as them than if they think that you're their boss. So I yeah. think just being on a down-to-earth level with someone is a lot easier to get feedback and to just get a general feel of what, how they're feeling. So yeah, I don't go around telling people in my new company that I'm the founder or the director um, but then it means I can have conversations with parents where they'll be completely open and honest there's a few that know and then they'll look out for me they're like oh I want to speak to Sid I'm like no speak yeah to Sid. that's that's the other one yeah it's yeah. often as a director and as we grow we have parents who always want to speak to the director always without fail and it, it could be about the smallest thing which is again why we don't put a direct link to book a call with me that is given to our vip clients they have my diary at all times so they are able always to book a call in with me but the majority of our clients who are taking our general programs in fairness if they were to speak to me it would be exactly the same as speaking to my client manager because ultimately both of us will give you the same type of response it just sometimes people want to speak to to a director you, you mentioned the other problems or i am a tutor that's not done groups over COVID. so we have an agency that purely runs on a one-to-one -one model and that's something that was it, it caused a couple of sleepless nights and it resurfaced as well in in lockdown 2.3.0 it's a really hard balance to stay on your own path i think sometimes like making an agency and making your own business and putting your name on it I'm very publicly the director of it, even if sometimes people don't realise. I started the Education Hotel with a vision, and the vision is to be like a hotel concierge and to be personal and to have the right recommendations when you need it and to know your name. And that's the type of feel that we want. And sometimes I find it quite hard to stick to that when there are new shiny things that are flying around. You've talked about, about this and all the ideas that kind of just come out and... Sometimes I have to take a step back and go, look, you know, this is my core business and these are the types of people that I work with. This is my audience. I work with high net worth, mid net worth, ultra high net worth people who really appreciate that personalized touch. Maybe this isn't the best way to do it. And, and that's been really hard because often, and I, I'm kind of saying this to UK educators group because, and, and also to people listening to podcasts, because it, it's something that... I have seen a lot of in group of people saying, oh, you know, I'm charging this amount for a group. And I'm thinking, yeah, we could be doing that. Could, could we do that? And is that something that I, 
you know, I want to do, does it fit with the brand? And I've gone forwards and backwards and it is taken a lot to try and stick to our path. Um, so we are working on books. We are working on recorded courses. We're looking at getting those to the same kind of quality that we have. But, you know, we, we don't run big groups. We don't run that kind of thing because it's not something, again, we, we took a poll out on our audience. It wasn't something that they were particularly interested in. But I find it is quite hard as an agency owner to be very strict about what you do because also sometimes our tutors will ask and of course you know that would be another stream of income for them so yeah it's sometimes quite hard because it feels like the decisions are often on your shoulders yeah so but it's the decision to go one way or the other knowing where your values are and your business values and your business values are very much quality personalized service right that's what you're trying to do and groups wouldn't fit into that so I think it's all about and it's about not comparing with the competition I talk about this a lot there's a fine line between inspiration and trying to kind of go oh I want to try that as well exactly like that but it's difficult because I'm the opposite I've always been specialized in groups right I've yeah. always done groups right from the beginning. Ten years ago, it was groups. Even though the first group, one kid turned up, I told my sibling to come along. I was like, there's two people in the group now. Um, but it's always been groups. And in my new business, UK Virtual School, I get the opposite. I get requests for one-to-one through the business. And I'm like, we don't do that. I had another one-to-one after school. We could do yeah. that. But this, it, it kind of dilutes what we're offering. We want to be very specialised, just like you want to be very specialised in your niche. We want to be very specialised. It's a classroom feel but online and as soon as you start doing one-to-one it becomes a tuition center then right it becomes tutoring yeah, yeah it's different and I don't yeah. want to go down that approach but it's so difficult it's so it difficult especially when that. you see people doing really well with it and yeah. like having done something and, and looked at it and gone oh well I can see how it would work and I could see that you know we could keep some of the quality there and you can do some really high quality like recorded courses or or indeed group courses and there are people who do it really well mm. and then there'd be probably several days where I'm like this is what we're going to do we're going to do this group course and it's going to be great and we're going to do it like this and we're going to keep the quality like this and then at the end of it I go well I've got none of the contacts to do it and I don't have the know-how and it's going to take me months to set up and at the end of it am I going to get more out of it in terms of supporting the people who I work with no it's business model and different project like you could do that separately but I think it'd be a different brand it'd be a different identity that you're creating and then it's another business on your plate and so it's a, yeah. it's weighing up whether it's worth it but it's really important to know where you're heading and you know where you're heading but you're always going to get kind of sidetracked right <laughs> when something else yeah. comes along sometimes like we're splitting the business recently and that's because of one of those sidetracks and we're going to we're going to split out and really develop. But it is that mindset where you look at somebody else and go, oh, well, they're doing really well and I want to do that. And, and I think I could do that. But ultimately, you've got, you've got to stick to the thing that, that you know works for you and that you know that you're good at. And it might not be starting up an agency. I don't think I could ever start up an agency because I just don't know the know-how. It's not my area of expertise. I'm not experienced it. I don't know. But with groups... I can set up a group. I know how to do that. That's like my area. Yeah, it's um, the opposite for me. <laughs> yeah. I do one-to-one. Personally, I do it. I But I, did, I wouldn't know how to set it up with other tutors and how to monitor that because it's such a personalized service and everyone does it so differently. And so it's fascinating hearing how you have done yours and how you've got that up and running. So if anyone's in the group is thinking of setting up an agency, and I know there's a few that are at their very early stages of they want to expand, they want to go down the agency route, 
what would be your kind of top three tips for them to kind of keep an eye out for that and avoid pitfalls? Really focus on your values and what you can offer because that affects who you hire Mm. because otherwise you're going to end up hiring this diverse group that don't represent you. So that would be one. Two, the back end is really important because if you can't bill your clients and you can't pay your tutors, you're going to know about it really quickly. And it's going to become really obvious. And the third is that the customer journey is so important and the customer needs to feel looked after, Um, especially in the type of agency that I run. For us, a review is like the best thing ever because it means that somebody has taken the time to go and do that. And it means that often when they're very personal to you, they don't necessarily think about writing these because they're like, oh, you know, I know Gemma and Gemma does this. (laughs) But yeah, your customer needs to be looked after in a whole different way than individual tutoring. Individual tutoring, you can turn up, do the tuition, have a couple of emails. But when you are a brand and you run a full agency, you need to really look after your customers because Ultimately, if they're using a tuition agency, they used another one at some point or they looked at other ones at some point. No one goes to just one agency. I've had people ring me up and call me the wrong name. So I know they're looking at other agencies, like just loads of them as well. You need to look after that customer once you've got them because they will be possibly thinking, should I have gone elsewhere? Or they might be considering going elsewhere. They might have heard of someone else who've gone elsewhere and the grass is always greener, right? So therefore, look after your customer. Because they need to have a reason to stay with you, right? Yeah. You know, you have to offer something above them hiring an individual tutor. Mm. There has to be something and it can't just be, it's easier. There has to be an addition to it. That's really good tips there, Gemma. It's been a pleasure talking to you because you're so busy and you stay so active. I've seen you in the Telegraph recently and you've been in in articles and things and you do so much. And it's really interesting that when we first spoke, Gemma was like, oh, I look up to you, Sid. And I'm like, I look up to you, Gemma. It's like we both kind of look up to each other because I think we're both active on social media. So you you constantly see what... And we both run in different areas, but we both we've both increased in those areas which I think is nice it's kind of like growing alongside each other it's like groups can work one-to-one can work you just need to have a clear vision of where you're heading and if agency is the way that you want to take it uh, then take Gemma's advice her top tips were amazing do reach out if they if anyone has any questions please do reach out because I over this year have definitely I think probably when I started the agency I was a bit like oh, you know this is my stuff and I'm gonna keep it but actually you know what COVID has made me realize we need to be more open and more collaborative and I really would like if anyone is thinking or has any questions just reach out drop me an email drop me a message and uh, I'll try and get back to you how can they reach out because if they're listening on the podcast they won't have your um, Facebook details so how could they reach out to you um, so I am on LinkedIn. I'm Gemma Zoe Smith. That's easy. Um, Instagram, I'm Top Travel Tutor. And then we have the Education Hotel, which is available everywhere. So LinkedIn is there. Instagram is there. Facebook is there. Everywhere is there. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business. Now, if you did, please remember to do me a huge favor and rate and review on your podcast app. And if you don't want to miss another episode, please remember to subscribe.
Now, if you missed anything or you want to find out what's coming up next, remember to go to ukeducators.com forward slash podcast, where there's lots of information about the guests upcoming and those that we've already had. I'm Sid. You've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast, and I'll see you next Sunday when we release a new episode.